0: Well, Merry Christmas. My name is Bill. I'm uh, one of the elders here and the uh, director of student ministries, and I'm excited about this opportunity, the Sunday before Christmas, to share from God's Word. And I I love Christmas. My wife, Brooke, and I, we, we love Christmas. We love all the different things around Christmas. My wife especially loves Christmas music. I don't know if you're like her. Some of you might be. She could listen to Christmas music. I think she could listen to Christmas music year-round, I think, at least nine or ten months out of the year, for sure July on, because you've heard of Christmas in July. So I've had to negotiate, I'll be honest. I've had to negotiate. When I'm around and it's September, is it okay if we listen to something different? You know? And so, you know, she negotiated for a, a heavy Christmas playlist starting October 1st and beyond. And I'm pushing for, well, what about after Thanksgiving? Let's see Thanksgiving in the rearview mirror. You know, let's. And, it, and it's a kind of that tug of war. I mean, she has this bag of CDs that she's collected of Christmas music. Over the years, it's, it's just one bag dedicated strictly to Christmas music. And then, of course, she's got her laptop, her iPad, the cable box, music channels with the holiday channel. She's got the stereo. She's got her car radio. And, of course, she sings Christmas music. I mean, I love Christmas, but she loves Christmas music. And, and she introduced me to a, a new song, by Lauren Daigle, a Christian artist. I don't know if you've heard her new Christmas song called Noel. Oh, check it out. It's awesome. Lauren Daigle, D-A-I-G-L-E, Noel. And it's a great song. I introduced it to the student ministries the last couple of Wednesdays. And we sang along with that. And she shared that on her Facebook page. And she she realized she was playing that song a little too much. So she had to set herself up on a behavior contingent plan. Now, my wife is an autism and behavior specialist, and so, of course, I'm familiar with this because I've been on a behavior contingent plan for a long time. I mean, I'm just saying. I'm on my best behavior because there's rewards, and they're very specific, and they're marked out. But I digress. But So she set herself up on this behavior contingent plan that every time someone liked that Facebook sharing of that song or commented, she would reward herself by playing the YouTube video and listening to it. And it just warmed her heart, I could tell. So I wasn't going to get in the way of that because it was December. It was okay, fit within our negotiated plan. But I mean, we love... All the elements surrounding Christmas. We love Christmas lights. I don't know if you've been up by Northfield uh, in Conservatory Green neighborhood of Stapleton, just north of the Northfields Mall, near High Tech Elementary School, just to the west on Stoll Place. Some some simple lights, but every house matches. It's like ah, drive by there, check that out. I love that. It just it's so cool, and and I love I love decorations and. And, and nativities. Now, maybe you've seen some of these weird nativities that people put together. You know, it symbolizes, you know, Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus, and and they do it with Coke cans, like this one. Yeah, you got the angel. That's good. You got you got, Jesus, Jose Maria. Yeah, and now. I had another one where someone else added, over in the corner, a pack of Camel cigarettes. (laughs) I did a survey of some friends and said, do you think I could get away with putting this picture up? And they voted no. They got shot down. But I thought it was, wow, kind of creative, but I didn't want to give the wrong message. Followed the advice of my friends. How about this one for all you dog lovers? Dog lovers. Those are real live dogs. They just, I'm not sure. Are they happy? Are they sedated? Yes. And now I know there's some cat lovers here, so I wanted to give the cat lovers their equal share. This is the kitty nativity. Now, did you notice they couldn't use live cats? Did you notice that? You know, they tried, they tried, um, but you've heard that phrase, herding cats, you know, it's it's not possible. And uh, so for me, this uh, kitty nativity kind of, you know, makes me want to cough up a furball, I'll be honest. Just gets me all choked up here. So we're doing this series around Christmas and around the, the names of Jesus in Isaiah 9-6. In Isaiah 9, 6, it says, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Let's pray. Lord, thanks for bringing each of us here. You know what we need today, and I pray that you'd meet our need Help us to take another step on our spiritual journey today. I pray in your name. Amen. So Isaiah, who wrote this verse, was a prophet in the Old Testament. And over 700 years before the birth of Jesus, Isaiah predicted his birth. Predicted that we'd be given a son. And not just any son, it'd be be the Son of God. And and that is an amazing thing to me when you think about the Old Testament and an Old Testament prophet predicting Jesus' birth over 700 years in advance. This is just one of many reasons why we can put our confidence in God's Word in the Bible that it's not just another, uh, another book, it's not just a historical book, it's not just a good book. But there's prophecies in the Old Testament that were foretold hundreds of years in advance to them actually being uh, lived out and, and come to fruition in the New Testament. And in this series, Ryan, he kicked off this series focusing on Jesus as wonderful. He shared with us the word wonderful means incomprehensible. Pastor Jimmy, he he shared about the mighty and missional God. And last week, Gary, he covered the everlasting Father. And he if you think about that, he talked about that tension in the Scripture because it's Jesus, the Son of God, but he's also the everlasting Father. And it just goes to put together the Trinity, that God is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And today, I'm going to focus on Jesus as counselor. Jesus as counselor. And when I think of a counselor, I think of several characteristics. If you uh, heard me speak a few weeks ago, I shared in my own life, I've gone to a counselor on a, a few occasions to help me deal and work through some difficult circumstances. And, and I recommend that we all use wise uh, resources of an outside perspective an outside Christian counselor, to help us get over the hump of those things that we can't get over the hump in our life. And so I have firsthand experience of of what a good counselor is. And so when I think of a counselor, I think of many different characteristics. The first I think of is available. It's in your notes in the bulletin insert. A good counselor is available. Someone that I can talk to and meet with on a regular basis, they're available. The second characteristic I think about is is a good counselor listens. The last thing we need when we're meeting with a counselor is for that person to be daydreaming, to be drifting, or to not be engaged, not really listening. A good good counselor listens. Another characteristic of a, a counselor, a good counselor, asks questions. They want to understand the full picture, so they ask clarifying questions to draw more information out. And then they ask questions, not for their purpose, but for our purpose, to get us to start to think and to process. And we know on the other side of questions, this is the best way to find truth. A good counselor asks questions. A good counselor also helps us deal with our issues. And, in, and we have to get past our past. And a good counselor can help us deal with those issues. And sometimes when we go to a counselor with an issue and we lay it out on the table and we say, I need your help, help me with this, the counselor points to another issue. Because this might not be the issue that's laid here on the table. We think it's the issue, but the real issue is down more layers. More layers underneath and a good counselor helps us deal with our issues. Good counselor also challenges us to be real with our issues. Oftentimes we are the biggest hurdle to dealing with our issues. We act like we've dealt with our issue. We act like we've put it in our past. We we act, in reality we just want to ignore it and we just kind of want to move on. We just kind of want to sweep it on the rug and hope it's okay. It's, it's good, right? We're good. And a good counselor challenges us to be real with our issues. Another characteristic of a good counselor is they point us in a healthy direction for our future. They point us in a healthy direction for our future. The goal of counseling is to deal with our issues so we can move forward in a healthy way. Think about how much more productive in your life you would be if you were moving forward healthy. Mm. Good counselor has many of these traits and others. But if you think about these traits of a good counselor, Jesus has all of these traits and characteristics and many more. Jesus is available Jesus listens. Jesus asks questions, not because he doesn't know. He asks questions to get us to think and to get us to process and to get us to dig a little deeper. Jesus challenges us to be real with our issues. You know, we can't fool him. We might be able to put our best foot forward and fool others or fool a counselor and Try to minimize things or or rationalize things or justify things. But Jesus is like, "Mm mm-mm, nope. Try again. He challenges us to be real with our issue. and, And Jesus points us in a healthy direction for our future. He doesn't force us. He doesn't make us. He simply points. He leads. He points the way. Jesus is all of these things and many more. We need to make an appointment with Jesus, our counselor. We need to make a priority. Jesus, our counselor. He he's the ultimate counselor. He's the wise counselor. So why is Jesus the ultimate wise counselor? I want to give three reasons today. The first is Jesus knows us. Jesus is the ultimate wise counselor because he knows us. In Psalm 139, verses 1 and 2, it says, O Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up, you know my thoughts, even when I'm far away. This Christmas season, as we celebrate the birth of Jesus, we celebrate a God who knows us to our depths. He created us. He designed us. He planned us. He loves us. And he knows us. In Psalm 139, that same chapter at the end, verse 23 and 24, it says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. If he knows us, why can't we be honest with him? We can. He knows us. And we could say, much like this author of Psalms saying, God, search me. Take a look at my heart. Test me. Take a look at my thoughts. And if there's anything in my life that is offensive to you, Lord, lead me away from that and lead me in the path everlasting. Jesus is our ultimate and wise counselor, and he knows us intimately. He knows our heart. He knows our anxious thoughts. He knows our ways that offend him. He knows us. The second reason that Jesus is our ultimate wise counselor as he understands us he understands us in hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 and 16 it says this high priest meaning jesus of ours understands our weaknesses for he faced all of the same testings that we do yet he did not sin so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious god There we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. This Christmas season, as we celebrate the birth of Jesus, we recognize that he stepped out of heaven to become what he had had created. He, He became a person. He was born as a baby, and he grew up as a boy, was a teenager, became a young man. He experienced life on this earth, and he experienced temptations, yet he did not sin. He remained perfect. He was 100% God and 100% man. 100 and 100 that equals 200 it's odd it's it's confusing but this is this is the mysteries of god that he's all god and all man at the same time and jesus when we think about christmas and his birth we often kind of compartmentalize it you know we we go it's baby jesus let's let's sing happy birthday to jesus What's your present to Jesus this year? And here we're giving presents because Jesus is, you know, and we talk like we're talking to the little baby Jesus. The little baby Jesus. We love baby Jesus. Blow the candle out. Especially if you have kids do that. You ever notice you talk? I I do it. I have grown kids, adults, and then I'm around children, and then all of a sudden I'm like, hey, how are you? It's like, what? Where did that come from? They're probably looking at me like, What? And sometimes we kind of compartmentalize Christmas in this little baby Jesus in the manger. When there's a bigger story here. And Tyson referenced it as he was introducing a couple of songs and talked about Jesus coming as 100% God, 100% man, so that we could see this big picture and this big plan that God had set in motion. He stepped out of heaven to become like us, he faced human weakness. Jesus faced sorrow, Jesus faced torture, Jesus faced pain, he faced rejection, he faced temptation, he faced denial, he faced betrayal, Jesus faced hate, and he faced a criminal's death. That's a part of the big picture. Jesus coming to earth to experience all the things that we experience now. And so can I say with confidence that Jesus understands? Yes, because he's faced these things as a human being walking on this planet. Jesus understands your weakness. He understands your sorrow. Jesus understands what you're going through. There's a difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Covenant and the New Covenant. The Old Promise and the New Promise. And I'm kind of a a simple-minded guy. And I break down the Old Testament in my mind. There's many parts to following God, but two parts, two big parts I, I see in the Old Testament. First is following rules. In the Old Testament, there were over 600 rules that those living at that time had to follow. We could never, they could never follow every rule, much less know them all. Examples of some of the laws of the Old Testament. In the book of Numbers, you probably had your morning quiet time Bible study this morning in Numbers. Anyone? No? No? No. A law was to sew fringe or tassels on the corners of your clothes. It's part of your appearance and what you were communicating. In Deuteronomy, you were to recite grace after you ate a meal. Huh? Well, confused. My mom said it's before. My mom knows. In Leviticus, it says we are to not eat a worm found in fruit. Now that's wise. That's good. That's that's wise. I thought my mom said that one too, but it's in the Bible. I mean, there's over 600 rules in the Old Testament, and and a part of following God was following rules. The second part of the Old Testament and following God was. Was these blood sacrifices, these offerings to appease God for their sins. And they had to sacrifice the best animal from their flock. And that blood symbolized the cleansing or forgiveness of their sin. We don't have to do that anymore. Because the New Testament or the New Promise, the New Covenant was established with the coming of Christ and it began with His birth as a baby on earth. And we celebrated at Christmas. His coming began, and it's not about a religion, it's about a relationship. It's not about following all the rules to be a good person and earn your way into heaven but it's about a relationship with Jesus. It's not about us sacrificing an animal for that blood to cover our sin because Jesus came as a baby, lived as a human, and was the ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate blood sacrifice on the cross. His, his blood was shed to cover our sins, not for once, but once for all. We never have to sacrifice an animal again. We never have to shed blood for our sins again because Jesus paid the ultimate price. And that began with his birth as a baby. Jesus understands us, he understands our weakness, he understands our struggle. He's felt our pain, he's felt our problems. He's felt our struggle. Now, in the last couple of weeks, my wife and I have seen firsthand a lot of problems and, and conflict with people that we know. and it's, it's been tough. My wife's aunt was diagnosed with cancer less than a year ago, and less than a year she passed away from that cancer. And my wife was close to her cousins, this, her aunt's daughters, and, and they, they communicated through this process, and it was very difficult, and the funeral was just recently. Last weekend, one of the uh, youth leaders that used to work with me here in the student ministries, her husband, was in a snowboarding accident. And was rushed to the hospital. He was at Monarch, and and he was rushed to Salida, and they didn't have enough blood on hand in case they needed to do surgery, and so he was flight for life to Denver. And so we were able to visit them and 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 see them. It's Jill and Lucas Smith. They're buying a pharmacy down in Buena Vista, and they they went, attended our church when he was going to the pharmacy school, and and. And it turns out that Jill is born on the exact day in the exact year of my son. It's crazy. And so there was a bonding there, working with students. She even worked in my painting business while she, she lived here. And, and so we got close to this family, and, and, and he lacerated his liver. And, and it was just pouring blood out, and they weren't, he was touch and go, and they were scared. But he's in such great physical shape that his body just fought back so, so quickly that he's now didn't need surgery. He's at home, out of the hospital. First, they're talking about being in the hospital a week or 10 days in the ICU. And it just, he, he ran two marathons this summer, just to give you an idea. How, how good a shape Lucas is in. I mean, and so, but there for a while it was touch and go, and we were nervous, and and we were praying, and, and these difficulties, and and then one of Brooke's colleagues, at work, and a close friend. She's been married twenty years, and when she got married twenty years ago, she she had a stepdaughter and a stepson, and she became like a mother to those kids. And the stepdaughter, in her 20s now, has been fighting and struggling the demon that was in her that was an addiction to drugs. And and she would do well for a while, and then she'd relapse, and she'd fight it, and and in trouble with the law, and in in, in and out of rehabs. and, And she got kicked out of a halfway house, and within a week, she overdosed. This afternoon, we're going to a memorial for her. And that's devastating to to Brooke's colleague and their family and to to Brooke and all the co- I, I met this family. I socialized with Nikki. And she's gone. And there's pain that all of us experience or are surrounded with. Difficulties. And I'm here to say, Jesus understands. He understands what your pain is, what you're going through, your difficulty. And I'm here to encourage you. Lean in to the understanding, Jesus. Lean in. Don't fight it. Don't say you got it on your own. Don't say that you don't need this God, this Christmas season. Lean in and say, I need a relationship with Jesus. I need God. I need the ultimate wise counselor in my life. And I'm not going to fight it. I'm going to recognize he understands me. And he can help me. There's a purpose in your problem. There's a purpose in your pain. There's a purpose in your suffering. And Jesus understands what you're going through. The third thing I want to say today about Jesus being our ultimate and wise counselor, he wants to give us wisdom. He wants to give us wisdom. Jesus knows us. He understands us. And he wants to give us wisdom. In James 1 5, it says, If you need wisdom, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God. He will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. This verse tells us that Jesus gives wisdom continually. When do you need wisdom? Continually. When do you need wisdom? All the time. He will give it to you continuously. This verse also tells us that he will give it generously. He's our example of generosity. And when we need wisdom, he doesn't just give us a little bit here and there. He gives us wisdom generously. And this verse also tells us That Jesus gives us wisdom without judgment. Without judgment. He will not rebuke you when you ask for wisdom. And it's time when we're going through these difficult situations in our life, when we're living our life day in and day out, that we go to God and say, I need your wisdom. I need your wisdom. I pray this prayer probably more than any other prayer. I pray for wisdom in my business. I pray for wisdom in my ministry. I pray for wisdom in my family. I pray for wisdom regarding my future. I pray for wisdom in my relationships. I pray for wisdom for little things and big things. Say, God, I need your wisdom I need your direction. I need your guidance. And God wants to give us wisdom continuously, generously, and without judgment. Andy Stanley, a pastor of a multi-site campus out of Atlanta, Georgia, he has a book called Ask It. Ask It. And in his book, it's about decision-making. He says The right question isn't, "Is it right?" or "Is it against the law?" You know, sometimes we we ask that question. Well, is it against it's? I've run across students that'll ask this question. Well, is it against the law? Well, no, it's not against the law. But you're an idiot if you do that. You're 12, okay? Come on, what are you thinking? Sometimes we ask, is it ethical? He says, the better question is, what is the wise thing for me to do? What is the wise thing for me to do? When you're facing a decision, when you're trying to figure out something, when you're looking for direction and guidance, if you were to ask the question, what is the wise thing for me to do? He says, this will dramatically change your your trajectory and the path that you go on. Instead of asking, is it right or wrong, but what is the wise thing to do? He also says you can expand this question by saying, in light of my past experiences, including my specific temptations and shortcomings, in light of my current circumstances, and in light of my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing for me to do right now? In light of my past experiences, in light of my current situations, and in light of my future hopes and dreams, what is the right thing for me to do right now? What is the wise thing for me to do right now? He also talks about using wise advisors or mentors in our life. And yet oftentimes, we don't turn to mentors, he says. Why is that? Here's what Andy Stanley says. One of the primary reasons we don't seek counsel from the wise people around us is that we already know what we're going to hear, and we just don't want to hear it. (laughs) I was like, oops, I'm guilty. If I ask, I'm afraid what they're going to say, and I don't think I'm going to ask because I got this figured out. I got this handled. I don't need it, Why is it by? I, I don't need God's wisdom. I, I got it. Jesus wants to give us wisdom. There's five questions I'll ask that are kind of a self-evaluation when you think about wisdom. Am I willing to listen to and follow the counsel and advice of Jesus in my daily life and decisions? Am I willing to listen to and follow the counsel and advice of Jesus in my daily life and decisions? You need to be willing. And and the first step to be willing is to, to put yourself in a relationship with Jesus, to step across that line of faith. If you haven't asked Christ into your life, I would encourage you to celebrate Christmas this year with Jesus in your life, saying, come in, forgive me of my sins. I want to be in a relationship with you. I don't want to just follow a bunch of rules. I want to accept your sacrifice on the cross, and I want your forgiveness in my life. And then I can be willing to listen and follow the counsel and advice of Jesus in my daily life. The second self-evaluating question is this. Am I reading the Bible to seek for counsel and advice from Jesus? Am I reading the Bible to look for wisdom and to seek counsel and advice for Jesus? The third is, am I sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit and do I obey? Am I sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit and do I obey? The fourth self-evaluating question is, am I connected to wise believers that I can turn to for advice? Am I connected to wise believers that I can turn to for advice? That's why we encourage you to connect in a community group and to connect here with wise people in our congregation with the staff and pastors and and with others I, I look around even in this room and i see some people that i feel are wise and that i know i could go to and sometimes we are put ourselves out on the the edge in the periphery and we were like well you know that's a great church and all but i don't want to get too involved and and too caught up. and that's, that's a lot of commitment. They're asking to come to church for an hour on Sunday and to do a community group. What? And so we don't put ourselves in a place where we can get to know people that are wise that we can turn to. The fifth self-evaluating question is, am I, go, am I open to going to a Christian counselor when I need an objective perspective to work through issues in my life? Am I open to going to a Christian counselor when I need an objective perspective? Only you know the answers to these questions. This Christmas season, Jesus is our ultimate and wise counselor. He knows us. He understands us. And he wants to give us wisdom. What is God saying to you today?